always remember, the universe has a way of leading you to where you're supposed to be at the moment you're supposed to be there. Let's do this. It took me 20 years to find you. How many people can say that? You are the best kept secret in the universe. And I found you. Which makes me perfect for this job. You really think a black suit is going to solve all your problems? Mm, no, but looks damn good on you. We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. Time to prove yourself, Agent M. We may have a problem in London. Welcome to MIB. Move it, I lose it! You will be with Agent Peach, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing Men in Black International 2019 PG-13, uh, directed by F. Gary Gray. F. Gary Gray, one, looks like Chance the Rapper. Two, he is also the director of Set It Off in 96, The Italian Job in 03, the Negotiator in 98 and Friday in 95. He also recently did uh, directed The Fate of the Furious and Straight Outta Compton in 2015. Um, also law-abiding citizen. So uh, F. Gary Gray, he's not, uh, you know, he's not new to this uh, filmmaking franchise. Well, he is new to the Men in Black franchise, but he's not new to the, you know, filmmaking world. He's been... Um, making films for quite a long time based on his filmography and they're kind of all over the place is what I would say some are really good and some aren't so good and it really depends on the type of script that he's uh, given so um let's see this is written by Matt Holloway and Art Markham Matt Holloway and Mar Art uh Markham both worked on many of the same projects, such as the Iron Man uh, 2008 movie. They were writers on that. They were also writers on Transformers The Last Night, um, which was probably one of the lowest-rated Transformers. And also, they were credited on uh, Punisher Warzone in 2008. Um, so... They they have some interesting credentials. They really kind of go all over the place. Like many people really liked Iron Man, but you know, since then they haven't really had a massive hit. Um, so they came um, they came out swinging for the Men in Black series, starring Chris Hemsworth as Agent H and Tessa Thompson as Agent M, and uh, Kumail Nanjiani as Pawnee. So um. This movie was produced on a budget of a hundred, roughly a hundred and ten million dollars. Um, in comparison to the original Men in Blacks that were released in 1997, that was done on a ninety million dollar budget. The second one, uh, in the first, for the first Men in Black, most people really like it and find it fun and uh, rewatchable. Mostly, I would say it's the character building. It's the characters were there for, um, in this world that they created. 
Also, the protag- the protagonist as uh, the Will Smith character, Jay and Tommy Lee Jones as K, Jay and K, um, they they're they bounce off each other so well, and they um you would never think that they would work well in this scenario, but they work relentlessly well. And they also have Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, Edgar, the uh, creepy-looking antagonist of the first movie. And I just remember how unique the designs, how new the world, how original it felt. And honestly, ever since the first Men in Black, they've only gone down in quality. I'm not really sure why. Maybe because Men in Black kind of... Uh, sort of regurgitated a lot of what the first um, Men in Black did. And then Men in Black 3 is the one I did not see. Um, Let me see. I believe, what was it, Men in Black... uh, uh, Men in Black 2 was... Yeah, so each one of the budgets on the movie go up very exponentially. So I think the first Men in Black was done on $110 million. The second Men in Black was done on $140 million brought back just a little bit less than um, $440 million worldwide on that one. And then um, Men in Black 3, they bumped up the budget way high on that, and uh, that was a budget of $225 million. And the problem with having these movies spaced out so much is you kind of lose some sort of narrative con- uh character development that you desperately need in between so granted i didn't see the first uh i i did see the first men in black one men in black two i didn't see three but mostly because the first two came out within five years of each other and by the time three came out um 10 years later in 2012 i just was not interested and it didn't look like that good of a movie anyway so um yeah i uh just wanted to kind of do a quick rundown of the previous Men in Black. So I, I decided to check in this new Men in Black International um, movie. And I've had high hopes. A lot of people had high hopes of um, having uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson on screen. They have a lot of charisma, uh, on, you know, standing alone. And they did phenomenally well when they were on screen together in uh, Thor Ragnarok. So... Um, you would think that, you know, with this crazy, you know, plot uh, synopsis uh, that, you, you know, putting them in this world would only make it uh, more interesting and, you know, have more, you know, things to play with, toys to play with, you know, and world to interact with with these fun characters. So um, let me do the synopsis real quick. The men in black have always protected the earth from the scum of the universe, which was in the that was the I think a line in the first men in black. In this new adventure, they tackle their biggest threat to date, a mole in the men in black organization. Um, so the biggest problem with saying that is this that is not a new premise at all. I'm pretty sure that was the the premise of uh the second uh men in black. I you know, the infiltration of the the men in black organization. I mean that that was pretty much what happened in the second one, if I remember correctly. Um Men in Black has always had an interesting franchise as a whole. If I, you know, if we want to generalize it, um, it's always been an action adventure comedy sci-fi feature. But I always felt like the comedy and sci-fi were the strongest aspects of the 
of the movie and the adventure and action kind of came second. Um, this, it feels like this was created specifically to have set pieces, to have them, you know, okay, we have to have them in this location, so we got to write a, you know, write a script that makes sense to, to have them go over here, to go over there, to find this, to find that, to meet this guy, to tell them this information, to do that. It, it feels very by the numbers. And um, what I would say is it's the definition of predictable, unfortunately. And the worst thing I could say about a bad movie is that it's boring and or dry. And the majority of this movie is so dull and boring. I could not believe I was watching a Men in Black movie. At some points at the beginning, I think it was the first 30 minutes, uh, Kelly watched it with me. She said, this movie is awful. And I was surprised that she could tell that the movie was awful in the first 20 minutes or something like that. I mean, she had, I was like, you know, granted, give it a chance. I had already known that this movie had gotten you know scathing reviews it's got like a five five out of ten on imdb i gave it a five out of ten i'll give you a spoiler alert on that um but um on the rotten tomatoes score i think that the rotten tomatoes score is a little bit harsh on this it's a uh, let me see men in black international as of today um the saturday the 15th um it's got a 24 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is just taking all of these summer movies uh, down a peg. Some of these reviews. Not that it should stop you from seeing it. That just basically means that 24% of the uh, the audience that have seen it um, would recommend it. So the rest of the people, the you know, 20, the 76% of people, which is what I'm part of, would not recommend this movie. Um, let me see. The individual characters, Chris Hemsworth, he tries so hard, and he is such a charismatic actor, just as Tessa Thompson is, but they only give him so much. And being, it is, they, they go with the formula of, you know, the buddy cop movie with the straight guy that's, you know, doesn't really laugh, which is Tessa Thompson, and sort of like the Tommy Lee Jones character, um, in comparison to the, the goofy guy that, uh, you know, kind of falls upward, and that's supposed to be the Will Smith character in the original Men in Blacks, which is now the Chris Hemsworth character, kind of the, the arrogant asshole that happens to, you know, uh, you know, gets by with his looks a little bit and is a little bit lucky at the same time. But um, the problem with the introduction of the new characters of Tessa Thompson's uh, Agent M and Chris Hemsworth, Agent H is in the original Men in Blacks, we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit, the original Men in Blacks, they showed you how, how great Will Smith was as a cop. They showed and did not tell. Now, by showing us as the viewer that, you know, he's not all that interested in being a, a cop at the beginning, a, a Men in Black at the beginning of of the movie, he just happens to be like, a really good cop. He has he has, has skills. He's smart. He's agile. He's all the things you need to be to be in the the Men in Black. So, what did they do with Tessa Thompson? They have a very sloppy um, intro to her character. 
and it does exactly the opposite. She tells us her story instead of showing us her story. I mean, they show us a little bit of how, you know, um, obsessed she is uh, and passionate about the alien projects, you know, finding out about aliens, if they're real and that not. But her character as a whole feels so hollow. And I couldn't tell you one one attribute about her, really, honestly. For two hours, I felt like I was, you know, talk, I was staring at a wall. Because she has the same expression for two hours, no matter what she sees. She's doesn't seem phased in a way that I felt like Will Smith was when he was feel, you know, in, being introduced to this um to this world. She kind of has this expression of like determined, but like you know, independent, but almost to the point of being an asshole, like. She doesn't seem receptive to learning anything or uh, having a strong character arc or character growth in this movie. And that's the biggest problem. I feel like we go on this two-hour ride. Um, sorry, it's it's closer to an hour and 54 minutes. But, it, you know, same, same difference. Um, and we don't really get to know these characters anymore. I feel like I after a, one movie of the first Men in Black, I... I could tell you just about, you know, the motivations and everything. The character development that happened in those first movies is is so important that they forgot to carry it over to the this uh, Men in Black International. And I had no idea the subtitle was international for this. They keep showing, um, you know, the same parts of the world when they go to it. It's like, all right, we're in Paris. All right, we're in Morocco. All right, we're in London. But it's like they they just keep cutting to the same shot. It's like, all right, we only have three shots of the the those places. So when we say we're there, we're gonna have to show the same shot every time. <laughs> so it doesn't really feel like they go international. It just it feels like it's it feels like the equivalent of saying you're going international, as in you know you got to change planes in in a place when you don't you don't really get to explore the area the culture or anything you just happen to pop in for two seconds and then you're on another plane and you're out it just feels like uh unnecessary and the and the fact is they just kind of put these other worldly places in the movie what feels like just so that they're appealing to a larger audience and i'm not sure if they're just like you know we let's get you know the London crowd in. Let's get the the French in. Let's get the uh, Moroccan crew or the Moroccan what uh, Morocco on screen. And when people see their places on screen, they make you want to go see the movie. I guess I I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I was just a little disappointed all around by the the plot of the movie. It, it the plot and the pacing is god awful i i thought this movie would never end i thought it was just long as hell um the banter between the two is almost non-existent i you know chris hemsworth is throwing uh you know zingers at tessa thompson and she is just she's batting them down she's not taking any of the bait it just it, whoever wrote her character or who whatever f gary gray was told to do with her character is just too much there's like three scenes when we see Tessa Thompson smile. And I was like, please give me more of that. I just need a little bit more personality in there because I, I think I just figured out 
her personality is so dull. Is so dull. It's sort of like the protagonist in Detective Pikachu, but he even had more uh, personality than this. It, the, the fact is, we we see her as a young girl. I, 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 this is not spoilers. I mean, this is the complete intro of uh, the movie and how it kind of forms out. So if you want to know, this is you know we see her as a young child, and she's I don't know she's. Uh, her parents happen to see an alien. The men in black come, uh, you know, and zap them. Forget to zap the daughter, which is Tessa Thompson. And Tessa remembers seeing her parents get zapped, along with um, letting the alien that her parents saw get away. So, of course, that's going to come back later in the movie. But we don't ever get any development from Tessa Thompson's character up through... It's like 22 years are just flown by... They just come. They just casually skip it, and all of a sudden, she's from the age of ten. We're supposed to believe that she's been obsessed with aliens ever since. I think there's a fundamental disconnect. We needed five minutes of a montage of showing uh, that this child was seriously affected by her parents getting zapped by these random guys outside. And the fact is, young Tessa Thompson is completely okay with you know seeing this animal, this creature, alien thing. And then when she gets, you know, when she gets older and actually sees um, real aliens, she's not phased by it. I, I feel like she's unfazed by it at all. She's just like, yep, I knew it. And it's just like, on to the next thing. There's there's no development. There's no time for reaction. And it just feels very forced. So that's about as much as I can say in the non-spoiler section regarding her character. Just, it's so one note. And we're, we, I feel like a five-minute montage and then just kind of sprinkling in just a little bit of humor, just because uh, I I just remember enjoying the the banter between you know Tommy Lee Jones and uh, uh, Will Smith's character so much more than what I did in this movie. Just I I don't even I don't want to say it's the actors. It just really feels like the script let this uh, drop the ball on this, and it feels safe in a way. I don't know. Um, I was getting, this movie reminded me of the same format of, uh, Venom, sort of reminded me of Shazam, and it sort of reminded me, I guess, a little bit of Detective Pikachu, by having the antagonist in the way that it's, uh, presented. The antagonists are nothing protagonists. It's these two guys that happen to be French dancers, um, they're, they apparently go by the name of the twins or something like that. And they have zero lines, but they do do some, they do fuck some people up. So it does kind of put, you know, a little bit of stakes. Um, so the, the dancers are more or less just this evil entity for absolutely no reason. Don't really, don't really go into it in depth. There's nothing interesting like it was in the first two men in blacks. I can't say for the third one. Um, but yeah, I, there, this is just a big clusterfuck of a mess. I, I don't know what to say. Um, my, my hopes were really high. I would be very surprised if they got another men in black out of this. I wish they would have gone more crazy, more fantastical. I felt like they were too safe with what they were doing. Um, the creature design is good, but not great. There's 
and there's one specific scene in the first Men in Black where I think it's like it might be the second Men in Black when they walk out on a corner and they see like a ton of aliens. And I want to say that that scene. I think it's the one of the first two Men in Blacks. I can't remember. I think K is his memories brought back and he sees all the aliens again. In that scene, there's more aliens and more creativity than the entire movie of Men in Black International, unfortunately. I felt like the population of the Men in Black world felt empty. I felt like the world was empty the entire time. I don't know what was going on. I know New York is just relentlessly busy, so it's hard to find a street that you would, you know, look, you know, empty. But we're not really in New York. We're still in uh, London and Paris and, play, you know, international places like that. But the only place that really felt fully populated was like Morocco. And um, I mean, there's just scenes throughout the movie where it feels like, oh, yeah, we're we uh, they're just having a scene. And then they'll forget that they're in a men in black movie. And like there won't be aliens on screen. I don't know, like for two or three minutes or something like that. And I don't need an alien on screen every couple minutes, but if you're in a fully populated area where there's supposed to be aliens and it's just a sea of, uh, you know, people, yeah, I'm going to say something. So I, I felt in some areas they just got a little lazy with it, and I don't really know what to say about that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done bashing on the majority of it. I, let's talk about the spoiler section real quick. Okay, so we're in the spoiler section of Ben in Black. I, I kind of gave, you know, a lot more than I was expecting in the first half of this uh, review. But overall, the fact that we have um, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson, and they're trying they're trying their best with what they got. Emma Thompson literally walks on for like two seconds. She's a nothing character. Um, and what's his face? Uh, Liam Neeson is... Uh, He's Liam Neeson as usual. He, it's hard to find him in a bad role, but really they give him some awful lines to give and just uh, cheesy and campy in the ways that aren't fun. Um, and so the way they take they take his character, he ends up turning into the 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 hive or the whatever the fuck they were calling him, the the dancers. I don't. I couldn't even tell you what happens to the dancers. I was like so confused by the logistics of what what these dancers do what happened at the beginning they kept saying that chris hemsworth was not the same guy he had used to be at the beginning I, it didn't make any sense to me and there's this blue guy that tessa thompson and um chris hemsworth meet in the club and uh the creature design's great on that but like i said I didn't understand what he meant by any of it and this little rock thing that he gives tessa thompson just happens to be uh, some sort of gun that comes out of nowhere, just like <laughs> comes out of uh, like a little rock thing. So, um, I don't know. It 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 just felt like a MacGuffin. You really know, take the rock. It's the only thing that can save you. And you know, it's like I don't know. Just I've seen this before. We've all seen this before. You know, find the guy to save the thing to save the world. It's it it's everyone. Everyone has seen this movie before. And it, honestly, it takes some of the best parts of other movies and tries to put it in this one. And they just can't land it. Um, yeah, the like I said, the antagonists, they fuck those 
fuck everybody up by melting their faces and, you know, throwing beads at people or something like I don't remember. Um, and dancing. I don't, they, there's just no motivation for the bad guys. And I thought, what I thought was going to happen was Chris Hemsworth and, uh, Liam Neeson were taken over by the, the, the hive or the fan phantoms or whatever the fuck they were called. Um, but that never really came to fruition. It seemed like the way they shot the very beginning with Chris Hemsworth and Liam Neeson at the very beginning fighting whatever entity it was, it looked like that entity had taken control of the two characters. And I thought there was going to be some switch at the end that said, Oh, Chris Hemsworth has something bad in him. We need to get extract that, you know, whatever substance it is that it's in him. That never really happens. I, they just keep saying, oh, there's something wrong with him. There's something wrong. He's not the same guy. And there's something that happens to, you know, Liam Neeson at the end that clearly is not the same guy. He turns into the fucking monster thing. But still, I don't know. It's lots of problems, lots of questions, things I don't. I The thing is, I'm going to forget this movie. And so that's why you got to do podcasts like this so you can remind yourself not to watch it again. Um, I am curious about if anyone did like this movie. I had heard that this is a movie you're going to want to watch on TV and then forget about it and then maybe regret it later. Um, it just feels like bland junk food to me. And, you know, it might look shiny on the outside. The burger might look good on the commercial. But when you go in and bite it and then maybe an hour later, like, buh, that really wasn't that good and I probably shouldn't have ate that <laughs> so um that's kind of how I'm feeling about this movie it's just very buh and unfortunately a lot of movies this last couple months I'd say the last three months have had very rocky movies in a way that I was not expecting I was expecting it to be a baller of a summer just like holy shit hit hit after hit after hit and most of these movies have been kind of eh, you know just kind of eh. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> I don't know. So, um, yeah, that's basically my interpretation of Men in Black International. It's it's a big meh, in my opinion. Um, Kumail Nanjiani, I didn't really talk about him that much. I think he is the best part of this movie. I, I wanted more of his kind of uh, interaction with the characters. He had this kind of quippy little character that um, ends up calling Agent M Queen and stuff like that. And he has some great lines. Like, I, the lines I laughed at at all in this movie all came from him, and it was more like chuckles. And what I could tell is the way they wrote this character, the way they wrote, or the way they have him, you know, give any dialogue, it's the kind of dialogue he can just riff off of. He can, he can just say non sequiturs, like, you know, uh, like something, you know, just kind of ex- statements that don't need to be answered by the main characters which makes me think that they just added all these lines in after the very the very last line is Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth uh, the, the characters are getting in the car and they're like all right we're going to so-and-so we got to go do something and we're bringing this guy with us and you know of course uh, Pawnee has to say something quippy you know, like, oh, gosh, I'm not ready for this, you know, or something that doesn't need to be responded to, because then it, sh it shows back to uh, Chris Hemsworth, and he doesn't say anything to Pawnee. Uh, he Chris Hemsworth says something to Tessa, and then Pawnee's just kind of still rambling on about something, and then they click a button, and he falls over or something like that, something to make you laugh. And I knew it. I knew it immediately. As soon as this... uh car started I was like the car is going to drive around the damn 
um, what is it? The Eiffel Tower. The, yeah, the Eiffel Tower. And then, you know, go over the screen and then the credits are going to hit. I was like, I've seen this movie. Everyone has seen this movie. Stop doing that. Stop repeating things we've already seen in other movies. Back to the Future, damn it. We've seen it. So I'm just like, I don't know what to say about this uh, laziness in this because it just feels there's a difference in, you know, doing like an homage or something like that or doing, uh, you know, some sort of satire on 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 the topic but it is it just feels like it's copying someone someone's homework it feels like my buddy copying my essay and then changing the ands and the thes and the whatever else so i don't know it's just not not smooth at all so Check us out, Lucky Dog Podcast at gmail.com. All the social media app links are below if you feel inclined to donate and keep the lights on here. Please do. It's um, The link is below for Venmo. Uh, sorry, it's for PayPal. And uh, we will cover the charge on that. Um, yeah, whether you have a dollar, ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever you got, even a penny works. Uh, you know, we had uh, pennies coming in from all different sources. We could still be. <laughs> making just a little bit to help pay for the bill. I appreciate you listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. Thank you, and take it easy. We are the men in black. Looks like the tables have turned. That was an incredible catch. Ah!